You know, we all have, have times where we look at our lives and we think, man, I wish there were some areas and aspects that I could grow, that I could change. And the new year seems to really heighten that sense of saying, there's a distance between kind of where I am, there's a distance between where I am and where I want to go, where I want to be in life. And we look at other people that are, that, are, that are killing it, that are doing great things, that are succeeding in all the areas we feel like we're failing in, and we think, man, that is just so far away. I'll never be able to reach my goal. I'll never be able to get there. And we think, just seems like such a big jump, such a big leap to be able to get there. And what we're talking about in this series is simply this, that it's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. It's often the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. We, we, um, we look at our lives and we think, I wish I could make some massive adjustments in 2016 and, 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 and then I could be able to do what I'm supposed to do. But what we're going to look at today, it's the small things that no one sees that result in the big things that everyone wants. We, we started talking last week about our thoughts and how there's a pattern in our life that, first of all, our thoughts are determining what we say. What we say is determining what we do. The actions we choose are determining the habits that we have. And then our habits are ultimately determining our destiny. That if we are constantly making, if we are constantly uh, living out habitual things that, that, that for, for, good, for better or for worse, those habits are defining what our destiny will become. So last week we, talk, we started looking at our thoughts and what we started thinking about, what we are thinking about. We, we solidified one single thought that we're going to have for this 2016, for this new year, that we're going to have one thought that above our circumstance, above what anything else that comes in our mind, we are going to be thinking about something that God thinks about us. So today we're going to take it a step further from our thoughts and we're going to talk about our words. We're going to talk about what we say. In your message notes, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Why don't we say that together? The tongue has the power of life and death. In every situation, the words that we speak are either bringing life or bringing death. That our words have creative power. That the ones that we choose have the power to really shape where we go. We go in the direction of the words that we speak. James in the Bible draws some parallels to some very small things in, in the world that make a huge difference, and then he connects them to the words that we speak. Let's look at it together. James chapter 3, verse 3 says, We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. I want you to think about that. Maybe you rode a horse recently or seen a horse. Think that that's all the strength and all of the ability that that horse has with one small bit in its mouth can be turned one way or another. It can be bridled. Verse 4, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. So, so even though a ship on an ocean can be tossed by winds, even the outside circumstances do not have power to be able to change its direction like a very, very small rudder. That a ship can be in a storm, but that rudder can turn it even in the middle of a storm. Verse 5 says, In the same way the tongue is a small thing that makes great speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. 
James says, your tongue is just like that rudder. Your tongue is just like that bit in a horse's mouth that takes it one way or another. Think about the power of words in our world. Think about the power of speeches that have inspired a nation in times of difficulty. Statements that have been made. Think about great men and women who have, who have said things that have literally set our nation and set our world ablaze four score and seven years ago. Think about it. Mr. Gorbachev, tear this wall down. Luke, I am your father. No, maybe not that one. I'm sorry. But think about the words. Think about the things that have been said that literally inspire us to action for positive or for negative. This week we're celebrating the life of Martin Luther King. And as I was putting this, this message together of all the speeches and things that have been said over the years, I can remember from, the, from early, from whenever I was just a kid, hearing this speech that you're about to see right now. I have a dream that one day on the Red Hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners, will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream. That statement rings in my, my ears whenever I was thinking about statements that have made a difference in our nation. See, the power of words, someone standing and declaring something over us has great power for positive or for negative in our world. See, we've all been a victim of words. People sometimes hurt us with words that we, they didn't even mean to hurt us whenever they said it. Maybe, ladies, maybe someone came up to you and said, did you mean to look like that? Like, did you mean for your hair to be like that? You thought, I will kill you right now. Or, 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 or ladies, you come home from the salon and, and, and you ask, how do I look? Oh, man, I want to help us out. I want to help just, this is just a, a side note just to help all the men in the room. And then the young men that someday will be, someday will be husband. All those things. Here's, here's the answer. The answer is always, you look beautiful. It doesn't matter what's happening. When you come home from the salon, you look beautiful, honey. You don't, you don't, the wrong answer is this. Did we pay for that? Like, did we seriously pay for that? Like, what's going on with that? Like, is that in style anymore? I don't know. You just say, oh, you look beautiful. That's the answer for that. You know, you don't, have you ever met someone that just has no social awareness? You know, they just say things, oh, you're looking fat. You know, are you gaining weight? You know, just shut your, I will kill you right now and, and repent. And Jesus, I will bury you where nobody can find you. Like, it's a bad day in your, in your world because you're not thinking about what you're saying. You know, we, we're all uh, guilty of that and we've all experienced that. Before, are people that said things that they didn't mean to hurt us, but it did. And we've also experienced words that people said that they meant to hurt us. And it really did. Maybe you've heard the statement before, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt. Well, there could not be more untrue of a statement 
than that because I want to say in my life some of the things that still hurt to the worst, hurt the worst in my life, and I would dare say it's probably in yours too, have been words that people say, things that people have spoken over of your, over our lives. I've never, I never loved you. You'll never amount to anything. I, I never wanted you. You're never going to be successful. You're a loser. You're, you're ugly. You're a nobody. See, see, those words have the power to, 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 to literally take our future and, and, and to, to take our dreams away. It's just one word, but it has so much power. God says, in the tongue is life and in the tongue is death. But I also think about the people that literally changed my life through the words that they spoke over me, that, that they encouraged me. I love the word encourage. It's one of my favorite words in the English language. It, it, it's it's a two, kind of a two-part word, encourage, which literally means to put courage into. To put courage into someone. You think about that. That, that, that the words that you speak can actually put courage into somebody. Like, like you're upset. You don't feel like that, 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 that you can do something. And then someone with one act of courage, has the, one, act, one word can put courage into your life. I think about uh, the people that, that said to me, you can do this. Like, you can make it. You can be somebody. I'll I, I, I never forget uh, whenever I first began to sing in church. I was a teenager, and I was so ashamed to stand in front of people, scared to death to stand in front of people. And, and I, one of the first times I was ever asked to sing, I kind of, there was like a line of people, and I kind of like stand over in the back, you know, with my head down, you know, and I'd, I'd kind of do my little thing, but, it was, but I, was, I was afraid of anybody else seeing me. I sang so soft, and I, I was so timid and so ashamed. And I'll never forget, uh, my pastor's wife came up to me, and after that, and, and she told me, she said, Brandon, you sang so good. said, I could hear you. You just, I love your voice. Hey, next time, why don't you just, why don't you lift up your head and why don't you open your eyes and just lead us because you did such a good job. Well, the next time that I got up to sing, I, I didn't have my head down. I wasn't in the back. I had confidence. I had courage. Why? Because she spoke that over me. Was it true? Probably not. She probably couldn't hear me. She probably just saw me because I wasn't singing very loud. But what was it? She recognized that I needed courage. She recognized that I needed some word that was spoken over my life that would give me the strength. And how many people are we surrounded with on a daily basis that need a little bit of courage? They need a, bit, a little bit of strength to make it through the journey of life. And you know what? God's given us the power of life and death, and it's in our tongue. And we have the ability to give courage to them and bless them and lift them up. We have the ability to do that. Nobody can do that like my wife in my life. You know what, after this sermon is done and we're on our way home, you know, I, I, I will ask her one question that I ask her every time that I've ever spoke in any time of my life that she's there. Baby, how'd I do? And I want to say, oh, baby, you're the best preacher in all the world. Like, man, nobody ever preached as good as you just preached. And I'm just, you know, there's something just rises up in me, right? I just want to, you want me to preach it again right now? You, I'm ready. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm, full, I'm excited. See, see, we have so much power in our lives. And why is it that, that the people that need our good words the most usually receive it the least? We'll encourage somebody that's given us at, somebody at the drive-thru at, at, at McDonald's more than we'll encourage somebody in our own family. God, help us to share the life that's, that God has given us with the people that are around us. That I want to be an encourager of people. I want to be someone who, 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 who's surrounded with encouragement. See, that's why as a church we have small groups. And in just a couple weeks, um, we're going to be kicking off our, our, our first semester of the year of small groups. And what they are is a time for you to get together with other people and be encouraged. 
Like, life is hard. Life is difficult. We all have unique circumstances that we're facing, and you can't do it alone. You need some people that you can come together with once a week or a couple times a month where you can sit around a table and say, you know what, I, I need a little bit of courage. Work's, work's full of problems, and, and, and my family has some situations in it, and you need somebody to look at you and put some courage in you because we're not made to be alone. We're not made to walk alone. That's why I love this Financial Peace University that's going to be started. Um, it, because you know what? So many times we look at, it's, it's such a huge area of difficulty in our life, our finances. And we just feel like we're so, it's so impossible to ever, get on the, uh, to ever get on the other side of that and to ever be out of debt and all those things. And what I love is that, that, that the church is coming alongside and putting some courage in you saying, hey, you can do this. You're not alone. We've been there. We've done that. Like, like other people are facing the exact same situations and you don't have to do it alone. That's why we have groups for, 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 for all kinds of different situations because we want, and we want more groups. If you want to lead a group, please come talk to us. We would love for you to lead a group. Why? Because we want to be a place where people can find encouragement. Not just a song and a sermon on a Sunday, but encouragement for the daily life. Something to be able to help and walk through life together that we need one another. So here's the principle I want to talk about today. Simply this, that if you want to change your world... You have to first change your words. If you want to change your world, you must first change your words. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed, watch this, by the word of God. I love that word framed there in the passage. It's like a picture frame. A picture frame determines the boundaries of something. Picture frame decides how big the picture can be. Small frame, small picture. Big frame, large picture. And, 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 and the writer of Hebrews says, God through his word decided what the dimensions of the world would be. And I think there's a little bit of God's creativity, the fingerprint of God that's on our lives, that the words that we speak have the ability to limit our worlds as well. That if we speak little negative words, condescending words to others and ourselves, you know what's going to happen? We're going to have a little bitty world. We're never going to fulfill the destiny that God created us. But, but if we can get a revelation that God's word can be in our mouth and we can speak life over our situation, then what happens? Our world begins to get bigger because we are understanding who God is in our life. That our world is framed by the words in our life. This is, a, this is a principle in the scripture that you see all over. I want to take you to one time in the scripture I found, found so interesting this week. It just got me thinking uh, it's a time in the in the people of the, the children of Israel's life in the Old Testament where they were facing a new battle. They were out of Egypt and they were going to possess the promised land of God in their life. They were facing a battle um, in, in the town called Jericho. I don't know if you've ever heard of Jericho before. Jericho is uh, is I grew up hearing the song Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. <laughs> And the walls came tumbling down. See, Jericho had walls around it. It was a walled city. And it was just really an impossibility for the people of God. There was this huge wall that was around it. And they were supposed to take it and possess it. And they didn't have the ability to do so. But, but, but God gave them a plan. God gave them a way to be able to overcome this obstacle. In verse 2 of Joshua 6, it says, The Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor, and ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go around the city once, and this 
shalt thou do for six days. And then God goes on to say, on the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times. And on the seventh time, we're gonna, the, you're gonna, we're gonna sh- I want you to shout, and then the walls are going to come tumbling down. So that's what the plan was. Around the city, you're going to walk six days. And then on the seventh day, on the, around the city, I want you to walk one time around for six days. And on the seventh day, I want you to walk seven times around. And on the seventh time, I want you to worship and I want you to shout. Well, what I find so interesting is that whenever Joshua begins to give God's direction to the people, he actually adds some things to the list. So Joshua goes to the people. He says, here's what we're going to do. Six days, we're going to walk around one time. And then on the seventh day, we're going to walk around seven times. And on the seventh time, we're going to shout. But, he, but, but Joshua adds this. And I don't want you to say a word. Nobody speak. Nobody talks. When we're walking, I don't want you to even make a whisper or a sound until I tell you to. And then whenever I tell you to, the trumpets are going to blow and we're going to worship and we're going to praise God together for the victory. Well, I found it so interesting that God never told Joshua to tell the people to be quiet. But something in the leadership of Joshua understood something. He understood that we have the power to talk ourselves out of our own miracle. He understood that we can talk ourselves out of receiving and possessing the promise of God in our life. And how did he know this? He knew it because all of his friends and family had complained and murmured about the journey that they were taking that God had them on, and they actually missed out on the promise of God. I want to show it to you. It's right there in your notes in Numbers chapter 14. This is talking about a generation before Joshua. He says, All the congregation lifted their voice and cried, and the people wept that night, and the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would God that we had just died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? What were they doing? They were just complaining, 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 complaining. They complained about how long the journey was. They complained about the way that they went. They complained about everything, the food that they ate. They just consistently complained. But what they failed to realize is that God was taking them to a promise. And here's what we failed to realize, that God is taking us to a promise And we need to make sure that we continue to believe God even when we don't understand the way that he's taking us to that promise. So Joshua said, hey guys, I'm not messing it up. Our forefathers messed it up. We're not going to mess it up. So just keep your mouth shut. Don't even say a word. Just keep your mouth shut. If you're not going to say something, because he understood the the road would get long. There'd be many miles of walking. And whenever you get tired, it's so easy to just begin to speak negative thoughts. I want to encourage someone here today. Maybe you feel like you're a long way off from the promise, from the miracle that God has promised in your life. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't stop because there's a miracle in progress. Don't stop because God is not finished with you yet. Just keep on believing. Keep on trusting. And they experienced it because... They kept their mouth shut, and they just worshiped, and they began to praise God instead of complaining like their forefathers did. This is one of my favorite stories. It's the story of the complaining monk. But there was a monk that entered a monastery and took a vow of silence. And the vow was this, that, that he would not speak for five years. And every five years, he would have an opportunity to say two words. So he took the vow, and he entered the monastery, and for five years, he sat in silence Worked in silence, lived in silence, ate in silence. And then whenever the five years were up, the head, the head monk came to him and said, okay, we're ready to hear 
your, your two, like what words have come forth out of this five years? And he said, bad food. So he went back and, and uh, went back for five more years. He worked and ate and lived in utter silence. And then he came back before all the people and they said, okay, you get two words. What, have the, what words do you want to say? And he said, hard bed. And then he works five more years and then in silence and they come before him and they, he says, what are your two words? He says, I quit. And the head monk says, well, it doesn't surprise me. You've been complaining ever since you got here. Sorry. That one was free. Man, isn't that in us though? What do we do? What do we do whenever the thing we're believing God for in 2016, we don't even believe it ourselves. What do we do whenever we know inside of our lives that it's only God? We may have a choice to make. Either we're going to speak what God says about us and God says about the situation, or we're going to speak hard bed, bad food, I quit. What are we going to say? Are we living a life of complaints or are we living a life of joy? I want us to take, a, we took a thought test last week. I want us to take a word test. Here's the word test. From one to ten, are, you, are, you, are, you life, are, is, are your words life-giving or life-taking toward others? When you speak to others, do you speak to others in a positive way or do you speak to others in a negative way? Are you constantly complaining? Are you irritable? Are you always have issues? Do you always, when you walk in the room, does the temperature go up or down? Does it, does it get cold because you're in the room? Does everybody get on edge because your words are going to be so life-taking toward others? Or are they life-giving? And here's probably the most important part of the test. Are, is your test, is your words, are your words life-taking toward yourself or life-giving toward yourself? I'd say of all the things I struggle with whenever I think about this, it's definitely negative words about myself. It's so easy that whenever I make a mistake or whenever I'm going about my day and things don't go out the, go the way I want them to go, I just think, stupid. You're so stupid. Just an idiot. You're never going to be able to, you're just a failure. What are you thinking you're going to be able to succeed at this in life? You're, you're, just, you're, just, you're just dumb. You're just, and every, every negative thing, this is so fascinating to me, every negative thing that anyone's ever said over me begins to play like a recorder in my ear. It just comes back. Everything that was said from the time that I was a kid, I can remember those things. And what the enemy does in those moments, he just takes the opportunity to replay all those negative things. And we begin to speak those negative things over our own life. I, I want to I talk to you today about what you're talking about over yourself. What are you believing about God and what are you believing about yourself? And I want to give you some practical advice, some practical advice from the Word of God that I believe that if we can look at the Word, God's, God will give us strength to be able to overcome the things that want to overcome us, these negative words, negative talks that, that, that causes us to not believe the Lord, what He's promised in our lives. Here's the first principle that if you think of something hurtful, swallow it. <laughs> if you think of something hurtful, swallow it. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Don't say anything that would hurt another person. Instead, speak only what is good so that you can give help wherever it's needed. That way, you can say, what you say will help those near you. I believe if we can apply this principle... It would change a lot of things about our life. If whenever those words this week want to come, come out of our mouth, I want to challenge you to swallow it. Here's, I literally want to challenge you to swallow it. Like, like whenever you want to say something negative, just, be, just swallow. Can we do that together? I'll, tell, I'll count of three. One, two, three. 
Swallow, there we go. It's swallow it. <laughs> like, don't say it. Don't let it come. Just, just swallow it. Some of us are going to walk around just swallowing everywhere we go. Like, why are you swallowing? Just, my pastor, he's crazy. He told me to swallow every time I wanted to say something negative. So, so, so just swallow it down. Because here, here's what I want you to realize. That whenever you speak those negative words, you're actually hurting yourself. It's costing you something. Like it's hurting you and it's hurting people around you. There need to be some words that do not come out of your mouth. There needs to be some words that you may think that you do not say. And this, you say, well, that's right. You don't need to be cussing, right? I'm not just talking about cuss words. That's a good place to start. Some of us, we're not going to be talking all week long. It's going to be like a vow of silence all week. <laughs> but there needs to be some words that you don't say. My wife and I, when we first got married, this, a couple weeks will be 10 years ago, we, we made a decision. We both come from broken homes, and we made a decision. The word divorce will never come out of our mouths toward each other. We'll never say the word divorce. We say we may say the word murder, but we're not going to say the word divorce. <laughs> we may, till death do us part, baby. <laughs> but we made up in our mind, by, the, by God's grace, we're not speaking that in our life. We're not speaking that over our marriage. We're going to speak life over each other. We're going to speak life over, the, over our marriage together. We, it, we, we realize it costs us something. Proverbs 13 verse 3 says, Those who control their tongue, it helps them. They have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. There are some aspects of our lives that we're ruining because we're opening our mouth. Because we're not swallowing it down. I really want to help you this week. I, I mean, I, I, went, I, I went out uh, this week and, I, and I, I bought us all a container. Whenever you leave today, you'll, there's, there's, a, there's a table of these containers right outside the door. And I want you to take one. I'm calling this the complainer container, okay? And here's what I want you to do in the complainer container. I want you to just get a physical reality that every time you complain... Every time you speak a negative word over your life, your family, your future, your husband, your wife, your boss, every time you just let that negativity, negativity and complaints just spew out of your mouth about the year, about your own self, whatever, I want you to put a dollar in the complainer container, okay? I want you to literally open it up. Maybe, take, maybe you have to take it in your car or put it, put, it at your, put it in your kitchen, wherever. I want you to take it and take a dollar, and I want you to take a, they got receipts coming out. There we go. I want you to take a dollar and put the dollar right there into the container, and I want you to close it up and realize that, you know what, that complaint just cost you something. But then, whenever you encourage somebody, I want you to take that money you put in there. Some of us, we're going we're gonna to have a lot of money in, in our container, right? But I want you to take the money out, and I want you to, Put it back in your pocket whenever you say a word of encouragement to somebody else. Whenever you speak life over your situation, I want you to take the money out and put it back in your pocket to realize that, you know what, whenever you speak words of life, it actually blesses you in return. We got to get this. We got to understand because here's the second principle. First of all, if you think of something hurtful, swallow it. Secondly, if you think of something helpful, say it. Say it. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I find it so interesting. God's word does not say good thoughts are like a honeycomb. It does not say good thoughts about people help people. No, it says good words about people help people. How many times do we think about good things about people, but we never speak those words out in a way that will bless them? See, I think in my life I get this flip-flopped. 
the things that I, negative things I shouldn't say, I say those things. And the words of encouragement toward others, I, I swallow those things instead of saying those things. I, I, want to, I want to make a challenge today that every time this week you think a positive thought about someone else, I want you to say it. Every time you think a positive thought about somebody in your life, I want you to get in contact with them and I want you to say it. I made up in my mind, I'm not waiting to your funeral to say good things about you. (laughs) I'm not waiting until it's too late to encourage you. Every time you just feel a prompting, say, you know what, I'm so thankful for that person in my life. I want you to stop what you're doing, get out your phone, send a text, make a call, get on Facebook, send a message, do something to encourage somebody else around you. I promise it's going to add to your life. It's going to bless you if you will say the things of encouragement that you want to say. I think about the notes of encouragement that have literally changed my life. The simple text messages that just a right moment, it was a God thing. I mean a God thing. Think of times where I was discouraged. Just in the last couple of weeks, times of discouragement, moments of doubt, moments of fear. And I get a text saying, I just wanted to tell you God's on your side. God put me on your heart. God, God put you on my heart when I was praying, and I just felt like telling you it's all going to be all right. Thank God that somebody said it and didn't just think it. I want to say that if you if you're married, if you're in a relationship, don't don't hold back. Share what God share, share that love, share the appreciation, share those positive words. Don't wait till the funeral. It's too late. But I want you to speak those things over. Each other, and not just over each other, but speak it over yourself. I love what First Samuel thirty says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Sometimes you just you got to encourage yourself. Your circumstance is not going to encourage you. Nobody else is going to encourage you. You just need to begin to speak what God says over your life over you. Whenever you're working out and you see that little tricep popping out, you need to look in the mirror and you need to say out loud, "You looking good." Woo. Don't say, "Well, the rest of it is covered in fat." <laughs> Speak life. Speak it. If I want to challenge you with one more thing this week, that whenever you are saying things about yourself and your situation, I want you to put a tagline on it. And here's the tag. I want you to say whatever you say and say this, and that's the way I want it to be. (laughs) It's like this, man, look how broke we are. Look how far in debt I am. We're about to go under. My job's in bad situations. I don't know what to do, and that's exactly how I want it to be. Or you could say, you know what, the credit bill's high. I just got it back from, 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 from the holidays, and it's bad. But you know what, I'm making choices through the power of God. I'm making changes, and I'm going to sign up to be part of Financial Peace University at City Hills and because I want to make a difference in my life. And you know what, I'm not where I am, where I want to be, but I'm not what I used to be. And I'm going to be blessed because God's going to use me to be generous, to be a blessing to others. And I'm going to leave a legacy from generation to generation by the help of God. And that's the way I want it to be. Speak life. I've been so challenged to speak life and blessing over my family. We talked to my wife last week about just this situation. Like, well, we need to be very intentional to say what God says over our kids. I've been picking Hudson up. He probably thinks I'm so I'll pick my boy up and say, you know what? You're blessed in the city. You're blessed in the field. You're blessed when you come. You're blessed when you go. You are a leader, not a follower. You're someone who's a lender. You're not, you're not, you're not a borrower. You're somebody who's going to be used by God. You're creative. You're going to be somebody who God uses to do great things. 
things. And you say, well, that just sounds like a bunch of power positive thinking. And that's, that's not what it is at all. You know what? It's God, what God says about us. Because I know God doesn't make junk. God created my son to be used to make a great difference just like he created your, your life and your kids and your family. So what are we going to do? Speak what we see or speak what God says about us and become the voice of more. Musicians, you can come as we close today. Heard the story of a seminary professor who was vacationing in Gatlinburg years ago. One morning they were eating breakfast at a little restaurant hoping to enjoy some quiet when an older distinguished looking man sat down next to them and began to take interest in their conversation. The, the older man said, sir, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm sorry I overheard that you said you were a minister. He said, are you indeed a minister? He said, yes. He said, I actually teach at a seminary. He said, well, sir, let me give you a story. That, uh, that, that, that you could tell to all your seminary students. He said, uh, over the mountain there, pointing through the restaurant window, not far from the base of this mountain, there was a little boy born to an unwed mother. He had a hard time growing up because every place he went, he was always asked the same question, hey boy, who's your daddy? Whether it was at school or in the grocery store, drugstore, people would always ask him the same question. He would hide at recess and lunch, from the other students, he would avoid going to stores because of that question. It hurt him so bad. And when he was about 12, a new preacher came into his church. He was always going out late to slip out early to avoid hearing people condescending voice and looks toward him. But one day, the new preacher said the benediction so fast, he got caught and had to walk out with the crowd. Just about that time, he got to the back door, the new preacher not knowing anything about the boy, put his hand on his shoulder and asked him, Son, who's your daddy? The whole church got deathly quiet. He could feel that every eye in the church was looking at him. And everyone would finally know the answer to that question. But the new preacher sensed the situation around him and using discernment by the Holy Spirit, he said, Wait a minute. I know who you are. I see the family resemblance now. You're a child of God. With that, he patted the boy on the shoulder and said, Boy, you got a great inheritance. Why don't you go and claim it? With that, the boy smiled for the first time in a long time and walked out the door, a changed person. He was never the same again. The professor responded, Sir, that was a really great story. And as he left, the man turned and said, You know, if that preacher hadn't have told me that I was one of God's kids... I probably would have never amounted to anything. And he walked away. The seminary professor and his wife were stunned. They called to the waitress and said to her, Do you know who that man was? He said, Of course, everybody knows him. He said, That's Governor Ben Hooper. He said, He was the governor of Tennessee from 1911 to 1915. He was born out of wedlock in Newport. On October 13, 1870. But because a preacher shared with him that he was a child of the king, his life was forever changed. I read that story years ago. And so I was thinking about this message and thinking about where we live. And just start thinking about the power of what we say over ourselves and others has. What would it look like if we begin to speak life? Speak life. I want to pray for us today that, 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 that God would help us to speak life over our situations. But before I do, I want, to, I, want, I, want to, I want to give an opportunity for anyone here today that you don't know Jesus Christ and you want to begin a relationship with him. 
I love what the scripture says. It says we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. What is that saying? It's saying our words are powerful. We need to not just believe. We need to say, God, I give my life to you. Jesus, you're in control of my life. And I don't want to let this service end without giving people an opportunity that don't know Jesus to give their life to him. And if that's you today, I'm not going to embarrass you or have you come to the front. I just want to give you an opportunity just to pray. And I'm going to give you the words, but, but your job is to give it the meaning and give it the heart. And there are going to be other people praying around you. And church family, will be praying along with you. But if, you, if that's you and you want to begin a relationship with Jesus, and I, I just want to, want you to just pray with me. Just pray, Jesus, I need you. I give you my life. I went my own way and it hasn't worked. I'm ready to turn my life completely over to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to be brand new. I want to walk with you. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. You're in control. Forgive me. I'm going my own way. I trust you. I give my future to you. In Jesus' name, amen. For the rest of us in this house, why don't we just pray, Lord, would you help us begin to speak the words of God over our situation? Lord, I just I, I speak against all the voices, those negative self-talk, self-talk and the voice of the enemy. I know he just loves to, to, to accuse us and to play those things in our ear, the mistakes that we've made in our past. There's no mistake that you've made that can keep you from God's destiny if you'll just trust him and you'll follow after him. God, help us to speak life over our kids. Help us to speak life over our coworkers and our friends and our family. God, help us to speak. Help us to realize the power that's in our words, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.